2: makes me feel good it's friday night it's time for explain yourself it is the kickstarter but we're gonna say crowdfunding roundtable tonight because we have a, uh, a surprise not everyone is here is a kickstarter creator this evening uh really excited will
3: how are you doing this week uh not freezing yet but i'm getting by huh
2: <laughs> yeah uh everybody north and East is, uh, I know you guys are doing having some trouble, so uh, hey, we had it down here, Fort Lauderdale, we had to worry about whether we wore socks in the house, so we were pretty cold too, we understand what you're going through, um, we dare this week to ask, can there be too much awesome, we have... A slurry <laughs> of great projects, and we're going to get into them. We have two creators from the Adept. Charlie, can you uh, introduce us to the the elevator pitch of the Adept?
4: Sure. I mean, quickly, the Adept is about a young woman named Amy who um, comes from a, a really screwed up childhood, and she's been, you know, estranged from her sister. And one of the reasons why she's been estranged is she's been having dreams of being trained by this kung fu master and she's not sure if she's going crazy or she's really being trained by this uh by this master and then the dreams stop and she slowly starts rebuilding her life uh trying to reconnect with her sister and just as they're starting to make some headway there's this crazy attack at a stadium at a concert uh where she's there with her sister and in the middle of all of this this person from her dreams shows up on stage and he's fighting you know the possible terrorists and he's there and all of a sudden the answers as to whether she really knows kung fu whether she's really been trained or where she's really just been going insane are right there in front of her and that's where the adept opens and we go forward from there following amy and her journey you know figuring out who she's going to be and what path she's going to take
2: all right, and your crowdfunding issue—the second issue—but uh, you can you can catch up
4: uh, and get both issues with this campaign, correct? Yeah, it's part of a whole universe of uh, things that Peter is going to talk about in a little bit.
2: All right, we also have Matt Mayor Lowry. Matt, uh, you are here with ThoughtScape, and what would if someone was walking past your booth at a at a show? How would you uh, introduce ThoughtScape?
1: I would introduce it as a as sort of a sci-fi anthology in the, seri- in the tradition of like 2000 AD in the Twilight Zone, uh, Dark Horse Presents, if they were a deep cut comic person, um, and a little bit of Black Mirror. And the stories are all written by me. And the art is by a sort of revolving group of uh, creators. Well, let's let's get into the spots. That. Yep. What's
5: that? I said, I'm sold. Yeah. Awesome. Black <laughs> Mirror and Twilight Zone, give me a break.
2: Yes. It's <laughs> the, the, only, the only thing I'm mad at is he took away my, my gosh, this reminded me of Twilight Zone and <laughs> 2000 AD. Did that have any inspiration for you? So <laughs> yeah. um, obviously I gleaned what you're going going Sweet. for. Let's let's hit that real quick. Uh, we're going to go into Thoughtscape. I, I read the first two issues and these are interesting um crazy
1: and this is after hours so i can say it.
2: these are mind fucks
1: (laughs) cool i uh i've gotten that a few times so i'm totally down with uh with the mind fucking i guess that's uh
2: where did your universe of this uh well take us through what the thoughtscape is and where these stories come from
1: sure so basically the stories themselves sort of started uh, organically like I was writing uh I decided I wanted to get in writing short stories I'd started out writing uh like at the graphic novel length level and um kind of doing it backwards right everybody tells you in comics to start with short stories and then work up from there but I decided not to do that um and so I was getting into that these stories were going and I realized they shared a lot of themes like uh, tech um I was watching a lot of Twilight Zone sort of as a uh came coming to it late in life and really enjoying it so i was heavily influenced by that i also was diving hard into 2000 ad um and so basically i had these short stories they had these shared themes um sort of in the vein of stuff i grew up loving like blade runner and alien there were was a kind of a company that kept showing up in this uh in these things and so i realized that i could knit them all together um in a real loose way where it would be way more about the reader making the connections between things than it would be necessarily like a explicitly shared universe. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, the thoughtscape itself sort of became this wrapper concept where there's a company within this universe that has figured out how to access a fifth dimension, nod to the twilight zone, um, where, uh, all, every thought that has ever been thought exists. And so basically they figured out how to access this and to go in and pull, uh, stories and entire like thought lives of people out of the thoughtscape and mine it for IP and product ideas and all this kind of stuff. So basically, uh, you know, um, an extension of, uh, the, you know, corporate greed going out and actually taking our thoughts and, uh, making money off them. So, um, so that's pretty much the the packaging around each issue is sort of like each issue is a uh, a, a dispatch from the group uh, that is mines the thoughtscape for R and D purposes and for developing entertainment for uh, this company and it's the that sort of container story is set mm-hmm. in the far future so um, so basically it gives us a big breadth of you know both like genre, time and everything to play with. So we've got stories that take place in the far future but not quite as far as the container story. We've got I have a story completed that takes place like in the 40s mm-hmm. um, sort of a film noir thing. so it's basically like it served a good purpose of letting me write in any kind of story that I wanted and fit it into this world as long as it's sort of loosely in that mind fucky, yeah you know so yeah i'm gonna
2: pull up i kind of uh teased this a little bit i'm gonna pull up the zoop page for your uh campaign you're running your crowdfunding on zoop uh that is comic centric how has the experience been working with the zoop team
1: it's been great they've been super helpful um extremely responsive uh which is something that i really value and uh, i was you know i've just been impressed with them since i started paying attention to them back in the fall, I guess. Um, And so, yeah, I basically uh, decided to take it there and see what we could do. Um, And so it's Jordan and Eric there uh, who I've been working with. and basically uh, I'm doing So the zoo has two sort of package levels, I guess, as far as the creator's concerned, it's got a self-service thing, which is what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, although they are helping me a lot, uh, I will say like, um, cause the platform is still, uh, it, sort of manual at this point. Um, mm-hmm. they, they ended up taking it with, with the, uh, the stuff that happened with Kickstarter in December, they ended up going, uh, going broader with a with the self-service model while the platform was still manual ahead of what they had scheduled so um so basically you know like updates are manual that kind of stuff but mm-hmm. um so it's been great that they've been good to work with because we've been working pretty closely to put the page together uh do the updates to the backers and whatnot um and yeah it's just it's been it's been good it's mostly you know like uh there are not a, have not been a ton of campaigns yet on Zoop. And before that, all their campaigns were, um, I don't know if I know the proper term for what they were, but they were basically running the campaign for curated, curated maybe. Yeah. Um, so they were, uh, their previous or the, the other model is creators going to them and they run the entire campaign for them, including, uh, you know, marketing and fulfillment and all that yeah. stuff. So, um, yeah. So, it, but it's been good so far. And um, yeah, it's mostly a matter of, you know, just a younger platform and uh, you know, a little bit uh, the discoverability and stuff is less obviously than Kickstarter. Cause there's not people just on there, you know, ready, ready to back um, as, as happens. On Kickstarter well,
2: well, we, we did a test. Will, how long did it take you to back Thoughtscape when you went on Zoom as somebody oh,
3: yeah. who'd never been on the website? Like 90 seconds to set up my account and then hit back, and then you know, you have your credit card saved, which is not a good thing. I really don't recommend people <laughs> do that, uh, but I had it saved, so you click and
2: yeah, it's done.
5: <laughs>
3: it so,
2: yeah, spend money, yeah, <laughs> it's very user friendly. And in, in that way, I, I want more crowdfunding, I want options, I want Kickstarter to continue killing it, and I want Zoop to grow and you know like i just i want all of us to have as many options as we can because we never know what's going to happen in the future
1: 100 percent.
2: yeah, I, 100%, yeah. I, I have a question on how you put the scripts together for the different art teams and i'm glad yeah. you have this laid out this way so adorable orphans has a very classic um uh layout and yeah. then Ex post facto was very experimental and uh, you know trippy. So, yeah. do you write? Do, do you write uh, everything for an artist, and they get to do whatever they want? Did you want those to be slightly different um, looks and feels? How did? How do you work with each individual artist?
1: Yeah, I mean. Part of the reason I wanted to do the short story thing was, you know, working on a graphic novel, you work with one person for 200 pages. And in my case, I'd worked with uh, Cassie Anderson, who's amazing um, on a book called Life Formed and we'd done two volumes. So that was like 400 pages with one artist. And I really wanted to get a lot of experience working with different folks and working in different tones and styles than I had done. And so, um, I intentionally sort of set out to make something where story to story, it would be really different. And there'd be a lot of variety, um, if not in my writing, but hopefully there too, uh, in the art. And so I don't, I guess I do. It's hard because I've now written like multiple scripts for Carl who does uh, expose facto. Um, and that, so now that we have a, a pattern and like, I know, I, my, I know my scripts can read a little crazy if I give them to Carl, um, and he'll totally get it. Uh, I, I would say the Adorable Orphans was very, it was pretty, I wasn't sure who was going to draw that when I first um, conceived of the idea. So it was probably a pretty standard script um, without a lot of variance. We've got a lot of like, I mean, I think there's like 16 panel grids and um, on a few spreads in there. So mm-hmm. it was pretty prescribed. Um, Uh, And then Lisa came in and did her amazing sort of pop art, uh, old school cartooning approach to it, which was awesome. Um, So yeah, I think part of the challenge is writing, definitely writing for the artist and that's part of the fun. Um, And like Tyrell Cannon's got uh, a a story in both issues. Um, And on the one where, the second one we did, and I knew what to expect from Tyrell, which was, Blowing anything, I gave him out of the water. I basic and I basically just wrote like a couple sentences for what needed to happen on the page, and he just went uh, went off and did his action mayhemness. So, um, yeah, it's a uh, it's a fun challenge, and it's definitely I guess tailored to whoever I'm working with, and um, with the goal of variety though for sure.
0: Well, well I go ahead.
3: Speaking of who you're working with, can you uh, give us the full uh, art team, lettering, color? I mean, everybody on the on yeah. the
1: book. Yeah, totally. Forgive me here. I'm going to look at a list just so I don't make sure, make sure I don't leave anybody out because there's a lot of people. Um, so uh, in the campaign, you can get, it's it's kind of for the, it's to basically print and ship the second issue, but you can pick up the first. Um, so the first one had Jenna Cha on the cover and, or doing the cover. Um, Dave Law is uh, on art on both issues. Um, we have like an ongoing series that runs through the Thoughtscape. Uh, Tyrell Cannon um, has a story in each issue. Those are standalone. Uh, Lisa Nafsiger uh, did Adorable Orphans. Uh, Carl Solminski does Ex Post Facto. And then an issue. That, that dude
2: can sling ink like a motherfucker. Oh, dude, he's he's amazing.
1: <laughs> I just kind of draw like now my scripts are just like stuff i want to see carl draw and i don't, it, i just figure out how to make it work in the story like i kind of you know it's it's i guess i'm paying out of my own pocket i may as well just get cool carl art right so yeah. um uh, second issue has uh, grim wilkins art on the cover uh and then it's basically the additional art team there is jacob edgar who's uh, Just did some stuff with uh, Brian Bendis and um, who? uh, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, And is doing stuff for DC and um, now in general. And then uh, Leslie Atlansky did colors on the story that Jacob uh, did the pencils and inks on. and i think that's it and then i also i sucked a writer friend of mine uh, george pendle in to write some of the uh front and back matter for um for the second issue and george wrote a book about jack parsons who's. That was one of the founders of NASA and also a, an occultist uh, that was uh, turned into a CBS TV show a while back. So uh, George <laughs> and I have connected over that book, and uh, he ended up he actually loved comics. So we got to talking, and I've uh, he added him to the team. So yeah, it's uh, so it's fun. It's it's kind of like. Uh, nice to have a lot of folks and a little bit of community around the book. Well, I
2: want to say I'm not going to give anything away, but one of the short stories in Thoughtscape 2 made me cry, fooled me, made me think about philosophy, and made me respect the hell out of you. So, thank you. That's great to hear. You probably know, and like it was kind of like two pages did the one, three panels did the other, Mm-hmm. Two panels did, and I was like, holy shit, I've been, I've been on this roller coaster in a short story, and uh, uh, much respect, and we're going to get back to it, but Sweet. We, we've, we've, got, we've got the founder of Immortals Studios, so we've got to, Peter, can you do me a favor? We're going to talk about the Adept in depth, but can you give me a little history of how Immortal Studios came together?
5: That's kind of a long question, Kevin, because <laughs> I, I grew up in the genre known as the Bouchard genre, the martial arts fantasy genre. So I kind of was born into it because my father was one of the top creators. So you could say I was born in this kind of family and it's, and it's, it's actually my family business if you think about it. So okay. it feels like in, in retrospect, it's something that has been happening for the rest of, for all of my life. I didn't happen upon it until a few years ago. Um, And it started with, um, you know, because I've been this major enthusiast of the genre, and one of the interesting things that happened in my life was I was actually asked by the head of the Shaolin Temple. So for those of you who like the genre, you know that Kung Fu actually started, it's known to have started at this temple called the Shaolin Temple. So it's not an overstatement. This is where karate, this is where all the martial arts forms actually comes from the Shaolin Temple. The Shaolin Temple is also the birthplace of Zen Buddhism. So it's kind of a big deal. And this is where David Carradine from Kung Fu comes from. This is where Bruce Lee comes from. It's like all of them. This is where Jet Li got his start. This is the 36 Chambers of Shaolin. We're talking like a mate. But there is a real Shaolin Temple. And I was asked right. by the abbot of the Shaolin Temple if I could... Help deliver the Shaolin message to the world. So I undertook that as kind of a Shaolin ambassador. And by the time we were done, we did museum exhibits. Um, you know, the Shaolin um, books were were uh, accepted by the Library of Congress. Uh, we did a reality show and went around the world and met like hundreds of thousands of the best martial artists. We did movies, games, and so. I was always unhappy with the the um, pop cultural portrayal of Shaolin versus this okay. this real institution that was there. And I somewhere in, the, in my mind, I always wanted to tell the real Shaolin story. And the real Shaolin story is far more extraordinary than one can even imagine. So it was having this desire and this input. And when it came time to build this interconnected Wuxia fantasy universe, I thought it was appropriate to start it with Shaolin where it kind of, the pop cultural part of the pop cultural legend began and i've been walking around this with this idea of um, of a young girl who encounters the master in her dreams and then these set pieces would come and then i was fortunate enough to run into charlie at the la comic-con a few years ago because i've been wanting to do um I've been wanting to do something that connected these ideas directly to fans as opposed to going through filtered platforms. So I'm a web three person in that I mean, this is the genesis of all these things coming together. And and one of the things I really, and that I'm here to do because Charlie is such a great writer and such a, you know, um, and his co-writer Tasha, Tasha, whom um, he and I recruited together is an extraordinary writer. She's already writing for movies and television. So it was this, it was the the beginning of an idea with great execution. And Charlie just added some really really amazing elements. He became our mentor to to Kickstarter, um, and Tasha really filling in. And she really became almost like the mouthpiece of N, of, of as Amy and and as a biracial Chinese American creator that she is. So it was this combination of things that kind of created the magic of the Adept One um, Kickstarter campaign where more than 1,200 fans rallied behind us and gave us more than $35,000 in our first inaugural campaign to kick the project off. And so really, first of all, I just wanted to come back and acknowledge our amazing team. And you know, our artist Yishan is extraordinary. Like we wanted to go for a hybrid look that was, had a real pop sensibility mm-hmm. that really also leaned into kind of the anime influences while doing things um, authentically. We even brought on a um, a Shaolin martial arts master to make sure that everything that we did on screen was something that we can stand behind and we can live up to this initial goal of representing real Shaolin where Kung Fu comes from. It's, it's like, it's pretty serious business for me, you know, it's like, yeah.
2: Well, if you were asked by, you know, the actual Shaolin Temple to bring them to the world, that's a hell of a responsibility. So, it I
5: mean, I, and you know, here's a great story. You know, I one of the things I did as the president of the Shaolin Association, that was my formal role, in addition to being a partner on the content side, was I hosted something 11 years ago here in L.A. called the Shaolin Summit. So because the abbot was attending he, and he was personally helping me with the effort, we got every major Shaolin um, martial artist to come and demonstrate. So we had like 5,000 people at this event and everybody came and we had the best display of martial arts on that stage. And then I quickly misplaced the, the video and it, had been, it just went missing. I just, found it, I just found it three hours ago in my garage. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's exciting. Uh, it's, like, it's like a full circle of sorts. Like, look, I, I've done extraordinary things with the Shaolin Temple. I've actually gone and meditated in the cave where Bodhidharma allegedly meditated for nine years. Um, I've I've traveled the world with Shaolin masters, and I've seen the kind of legendary things that they've done that I still, that they're still inexplicable to me right now. Mm-hmm. So, it's not a lot of fanciful. It's, 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 I really want to convey those experiences and the reality of that extraordinary tradition that is known to create superhumans, And that's Mm -hmm. the journey that this broken young woman, Amy, you know, she doesn't believe she, she, she has what it takes. She doubts herself because she comes from this broken, you know, addictive family with all the kind of psychological patterns that many of us struggle with. So it's really her, A broken person coming across with these teachings and then she becomes the hero that she never thought she would be and ends up being ends up saving the day in a way she never would expect and we just hope like, but how she gets there and how she becomes the hero is the magic is the secret sauce of Shaolin.
2: All right. We're going to, um, I'm going to pick up the page and we're going to look at the Kickstarter page. But before we do that, we actually have two other creators who are going to join us. Uh, Kat and Phil, how are you this evening? <laughs> quiet. You're very quiet this evening.
6: We are so quiet, but yeah. we're in the same room. Yeah. Isn't that crazy?
2: This <laughs> is, uh, this, it's always a joy to have you. And having you in one screen is actually works a lot better because I don't know where the seventh screen would have gone. But, so um, awesome.
6: <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad we went. This route is actually our, our full plan. That's why we're such divas. And that's why we're so <laughs>
2: <great>. <laughs> well, welcome. We are going to get into your projects, but we're going to go check out the adepts page um, real quick. So I, I asked after the thing, you can get both issues one and two as a catch up if you haven't. Um, it down oops it looks so like can
5: I a little because i'm actually tracking and I, I would like to invite the people who are watching to to show us a little love so so we kind of feel you out there for one of any one of our campaigns but since we're on on, on the adept right now um, just an invitation for you guys to 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 pitch in and support this campaign and everybody else's
2: yeah Absolutely, and as we we did say this before, uh, Will and I take credit for every backer for the next 19 days to come on the Adept. Every dollar over sixteen thousand one hundred and seventy-four, we take credit for. Um, like we don't expect a penny, we don't want money, but we do take credit. So that is just our warning. <laughs> uh, Peter and uh, Charlie, um, is the
3: Adept planned as as an ongoing series? Is there a uh, you know a planned ending to this? What's What's the scoop there?
4: Well, I mean, it's it's a um, it's a planned universe. So the the first arc of the Adept is basically um, uh, four of these oversized issues that uh, you know are, are in the process of being scripted and drawn right now. Th- this issue is completely done. One for for two, and like the first two issues, both were forty and then forty two pages. So so we're building an arc, but there's also several other series. That are going. We did the first issue of the Chronicle of the Immortal Swordsman came out last year. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to break any news about some of the other things that might be coming soon, but there, there's a whole, you know, it's it's a universe that's being built, and we're we're building it on Kickstarter, and uh, you know, and and every single book. I mean, like you look at Yishan's art, which is just incredible, yeah. and um, I've been very fortunate because. I'm incredibly spoiled because I've gotten to work with uh, Connor Hughes on some of my projects. I've gotten to work with Yishan Lee, Romana Morinelli. Like I just get to work with these incredible artists who always make me look so much better. Um, And I think that's, you know, what we all as writers aspire to, finding Mm -hmm. artists that make us look better. And, um, you know, I've been blessed in, you know, in the comic book world to get to work with people like this, who can not only tell a story, but can create beautiful images.
2: Yeah, this page is extraordinary.
4: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And and she's also so fast, um, compared to um, other artists I worked with. I mean, she's just, (laughs) not to to throw (laughs) anyone under the bus, but (laughs) like She is- She is next level fast compared to most comic book artists.
5: And just look at her, look at her posture. Her, her movements, you know, exactly how she holds her hands, even the biodynamics of, of of her postures. Those are the things that we pay a lot of attention to because a lot of our supporters actually are real martial artists. And oh, when wow. we started this, we, we wanted to make sure that this is something that they could look and say, wow, these guys know they're blank, you know.
4: Right. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's really true because like. So, so Charlie, do you know your Kung Fu shot? Uh, I I know, I know, um, once again, you find people who make you look good. So so like when, when, you know, Peter says, we do have someone choreographing the actual fight scenes who works with Ishan to make sure every pose is a real pose and find the right ones for, for different movements and things like that, that are intrinsic to both the emotion of the character and, um, you know, what would be necessary in that moment in a fight. So, oh, I, and I think Ken, that's completely
5: one. I, I want to talk about yeah. this amazing cover that Jim Chung did for us. This, yeah, this
4: the ultra, the
3: variant covers you guys have are absolutely yeah. beautiful. Like, mm-hmm.
5: our variant covers just really showed up. This is Jim Chung's piece. Um, extraordinary.
3: Yeah. yeah colors, I think you everything. have one by uh, Jean Ha as well. We do.
5: We do have the Jean Ha one. When I want to give the prop. This is Ming Doyle, and oh. this is the Gian Hot piece, which I thought yeah. was just transcendent. Like, this yeah, is a that's... really special piece. Like, I'm ordering one for myself so I could blow it up and put it on the wall. <laughs> uh, to, but to answer an earlier question, um, Immortal, we're planning a, a total of eight different stories, including the Adept and Chronicles of the Immortal Swordsman this year. So we have really, really aggressive plans, and again, just thank you to our community who enabled us to do it. you know as a young scrappy company, we do rely on these resources so that we could actually turn out these stories um, and everybody's doing every all the support that we get goes immediately goes into production so that we can bring more stories so this year we're expecting a total of eight stories um, and there is a this is an interconnected we call it a story verse in. In in tech, they're going to see that we're really also building the immortal metaverse. If and somebody missed Kickstarter, he'd say that they were there first.
2: Yeah. <laughs> if if somebody missed the Immortal Swordsman, can they pick up that in the adopt yes. campaign? Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Beautiful. And I
5: also wrote i i i wrote that particular story, so I'm really I can honestly say that I've joined the ranks, and and um, and and Charlie again again was one of my teachers. Well, well,
2: Patrick I, Lugo I, I says Patrick Lugo says he's already a backer. Peter Shaolin Woolen, Wood. Now, so we can't take credit for Patrick. He came. He came before <laughs> us. We, we, we're we're not unfair. Oh my! God. We're, least, we're a little. Yeah, unfair, Ching's
5: but. my favorite. Yeah, Jin Ching, Exactly. Exactly. So, look, some of these folks know. So, I think they might have been at the Shaolin Summit, just telling everybody. Some extraordinary, never be seen, never before seen footage is on its way to you, and to say thank you to our community.
4: Well, and I'll just like just quickly wrap up. You know what? what Peter is saying. You know, he's learned something from me. I've learned so much about this universe from him, and I love that. Um, you know what we're doing in Immortal. It, it, we're all a team working together, which is also the same thing about crowdfunding. The reason it works for comics is because there are all of us here right now. And, and everyone here has uh, amazing projects. Um, you know, Matt, I, I will say this. You know, when you're talking about the Zoop, um, you know, getting thing, people on Zoop, I'm yeah. one of those people who's been promoting your project, but I haven't made the time to make a Zoop account to pledge yet. Right? You know, it's like, like, <laughs> yeah, like, like sure I backed the yeah. first one on Kickstarter because it's easy for me. I push a button. And I know it's 90 seconds, but it's still 90 seconds. Oh, totally. <laughs> so I'm yeah. hoping you're going to get a lot of people who are going to be like, I'm going to do it. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. So I, you know, yes. I, 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 I've written that down for me. I'm going to do that, you know, tonight, but you know, I always back Cat and Phil. I love everything that you do. Um, mm-hmm. And, and that's just, you know, it's about community. It's what we're doing, you know, at Immortal, we're creating, you know, learning from each other, creating amazing stories together. And I, and I just love being here tonight with, you know, all these creators I really respect. And if there's anyone in the chat who hasn't backed all of these projects, do yourself a favor, do that now, mm-hmm. because these are all great books and great people to support.
2: Yeah, I've, I've been able to read each, at least issue one of every book we're doing tonight, and they are all really good projects to hop on. Like, I, we, Will and I don't bring people on if we don't like their books or really like them. Or <laughs> both.
6: Or both. It's <laughs>
2: usually both. It's usually both. But, you know, like, if, if, if you're, how can I say this? I'm not going to waste anybody's time coming on here if I don't think the book is really worthy of finding an audience. And as I, you know, as I said at the beginning, can there be too much awesome? We have four really yeah. awesome projects tonight, so we're going to get back to the adept, but I think we're going to go to the dancer. I think we're going to s- stick with a the theme here and cat. Uh, <laughs> You didn't get to do your 30-second intro. So why don't you do that and then go straight into the in-depth dancer uh,
4: talk?
6: Yeah, of course. So The Dancer is about a dancer slash assassin. And when she was little, she witnessed her parents being murdered in front of her and never dealt with that trauma until now. So what is The Dancer? Uh, The reason I made this book, I actually made this book a while ago. So it's been done for a while. It's just been our crazy schedule. Has not allowed for all the issues to be released because we always have a Kickstarter going on. We still have two more issues left of the dancer. Um, this second one was actually released in black and white uh, through through the con circuit, so now this is in color, and uh, it's a it's a mini series that's going to completely wrap up. So that's something. Interestingly, when I uh, did a lot of interviews uh, through, you know, my journalism work, uh, one question I would always ask if I was interviewing for a miniseries, I'd be like, oh, and would you want to make a sequel? And if I got that question, I would say uh, usually no, right? I, w- I would say no on this regard because um, I feel like it's a story with, with an ending and, mm-hmm. and that's something you don't normally get in comics. So uh, sure. that's something I, I really wanted to stay true with, with this book. Uh, But yeah, the reason I made it, it was actually when I was in college. Um, I was inspired by my past of being a dancer and martial artist. I got a black belt in Taekwondo. I will not say I'm a good dancer, but I did dance for about seven years. Uh, And then I noticed uh, going to a liberal arts college, just how similar they were. And I remember the moment that it sparked uh, was when I was watching, out of any movie, Kingsman. So I I had the opportunity to interview Matthew Vaughn. Uh, for the movie and I remember one of the questions that kind of popped up was like would you want to make a musical and that, because like wouldn't that be fun with like the hit girl type scenes and kick ass mm-hmm. and just how musically influenced his fighting choreography is mm-hmm. and that really put the pieces together for me I'm like wait Martial arts and dance are so similar. Like I never noticed that when I was both doing them, especially from, you know, Taekwondo, when you get a belt, you do a form. So you, that's like how there's other things to do too, but as a big thing is to do your form and that's, pretty much like a dance move. It's like, it's Mm -hmm. choreography with punches. And I was like, oh, that's super interesting. Let's like put that into a book, which is The Dancer. And, you know, I wanted a a spin of like, how about Batman dealt with this trauma? So this is a story, you know, when you look at it, you think it's going to be a physical book. You think it's going to be, okay, this dancer, martial artist, we're going to see a lot of dance, a lot of martial arts. I'm not saying you don't. Um, but it's really a book about mental health and it's a, it's a book about dealing with your trauma. Um, so that's something I'm I'm super proud of.
2: I really felt that you, you get into that in issue two. I mean, it's, it's there as subtext in issue one, but no doubt about it. But issue two is very much, uh, introspective and, um, your lead character is dealing with things that she's ignored for what? Five, 10 years.
6: Oh yeah. Yeah. She's 22.
2: So I, I thought it was—I thought it was a very interesting psychological take on the quote-unquote vigilante assassin character.
6: Thank you. Yeah.
2: Um, so four issues, we're done. You're, you're never coming back to the dancer. You're—that's <laughs> a guarantee. I can't
6: guarantee anything because these Kickstarters <laughs> uh, have been doing well. But I would yeah. say that was my point of the story. And if we ever did go back, it'd be a very different angle. It wouldn't be what you would. <laughs> That is, I think yeah. Amy and,
5: and, and the dancer maybe can team up on something. Oh, I like <laughs> this
6: idea. I like this uh, conversation where it's going.
2: I, I want to say this if I say <laughs> Mia on the Adept or Amy on the Dancer, it's because mm-hmm. I read both in the same twenty-four hour period, so <laughs> it's an apology. But a lot of the letters are the same. Yeah. And there are, there are some. They shared
6: two, <laughs> yeah, share two of them. We actually did that on purpose. I just we planned it.
2: I, you know what? You always want to, you know, get in into Charlie's draft. Whatever, yeah. whatever you can do with Charlie, you just want to draft behind him. Oh, for, for sure.
5: sure. <laughs> and then a big eyeball swing flies by, and now we're in the twilight zone. Yes.
1: <laughs> that oh, works.
4: By, by the way, Matt, I am now a ZOOP member. Uh, oh. just, just, even during this conversation, uh, and, and that campaign's now back. So if anyone hasn't started a ZOOP account, you can do it very quickly. I, I will We were her. literally
6: just talking about that. Like, sadly, I wish we were here for all the ZOOP stuff. We we just, we just were actually doing bi-visibility stuff. And we we're like, oh, yeah, 1130, we have so much time. Like. And then we're like, oh, it was 11. Oh, God. <laughs> so, um, but at the Zoom, uh, this, uh, We didn't know you had to make an account. So that's interesting. Um, but we should have thought that because with Kickstarter, you pretty much have to make an account, which yeah. I think you could be a guest, but it's they make it pretty hard to do it.
2: Yeah, I, I did it about a month ago. I remembered it being less than five minutes. Will said 90 seconds altogether. Charlie did it while he was in part of a conversation. So I'll give there Zoom this. Out. They make it easy. Yeah. Well, it's only
4: um, because I had Apple Pay. So, I didn't have to enter credit card information (laughs) and do all that stuff at the end.
5: Is he like a sponsor here tonight? Because they're getting a lot of (laughs) of credit. Yeah, you
2: know know what? We we give Kickstarter our our full attention every week. So, it's like, you know, like there's a new kid in town. Well, okay, so the well, dancer came... allows
5: for our concurrent campaigns. Will 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 get some of the immortal business moving forward.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: yes. What we want yeah, is a bunch of strong, fertilized places for creators to go find the right home for them. And if that's it, Kickstarter, awesome. If it's Zoop, awesome. If it's something new, if it's IndieGoGo, whatever, whatever feels right for you and your project. We're, we're happy with and we want, we want to push it, but we also greedily and selfishly, we want safe pastures here, there and everywhere in case something happens because there are a whole bunch of people who were kings of my space and
6: yeah. uh we're looking oh uh, a... no, were you a king of MySpace? No. did you learn html just for it oh, yeah. we, all did. <laughs> we all did
2: so so we want to fertilize zoop in case in case at any point we have to uh to go elsewhere but we still love kickstarter and that's <laughs> definitely not a, not nothing that we're against um so they can catch up on the dancer and get issue one if they miss the first campaign?
6: They definitely can. And it, okay. we actually have places where you can get the whole cat collection and fill collection Ooh. too. Um, <laughs> but we have slice of life on there. We have by visibility. We have all like, call like daughter. We have dancer, issue one, issue two. We have it in black, black and, and white. And yeah, we got it all. Don't worry, guys, if you want it, there.
2: Well, thank you for reminding me. I read the dancer number one in black and white, and then I just saw issues one and two in color. Who is your art team, uh, who's your illustrator, and who brought the colors to the project?
6: So the illustrator is Evie Kinsada, uh who did all of the pencils for issues one through four. Um, and again, we're I'm still trying to decide if I want to do issue three and four as black and white. It's interesting because on Kickstarter, it sells okay. But at cons, it sells sometimes better than the colors. Yeah,
0: there's a lot of people who like manga who very much mm. go for a black and white book.
6: So it's something to think about for the future uh, because issue one and two, I just had it beforehand because I didn't know if I wanted to make it color. Uh, the right. colors is Danny. Um, I would pronounce their full name, but it is long and I don't want to butcher it. So look on the Kickstarter page. <laughs> um, it is Danny. It's his first name. Uh, and then uh, we had the shared uh, lettering of Matt Bowers who uh, did some of the lettering and then some of the graphic design was Brent uh, Fowler. Oh, okay. So, cool.
2: Okay, so you got Kaylin for a variant cover. Gorgeous Ew. as as usual. It's almost boring how wonderful her art always is.
6: <laughs> right? You think you wish you could say something even you know more unique, but we're just like, oh, it's amazing. It's yeah. really gorgeous.
2: That's not that either, actually. The... <laughs> this is uh, who who did this one? I, I was I was like I was, I was going to really mispronounce this name, and then I realized it was the word stage left variant.
6: <laughs> <laughs> um, well, their name is stage left. Stage Lefte. Yes, it has a little tilde over it. Um, his name is Cassio Rivero. Rivero
0: Rivero is his
6: and, last um, name.
0: He's making his round through all our books. He's done variants for the Dancer, Haunting, and Slice of Life.
6: I stole him from Phil.
0: Oh, Phil nice. <laughs>
6: And also, the stained glass was a real discovery as well.
2: <laughs> That's beautiful.
6: Yeah, so we got we got it all on this page. We got our preview pages. We got variant covers. We have a metal cover this time around. Nice. Uh, so we want to do something for the Make One Hundred. We have our foil covers. We got boxes, boxes. stickers. They're boxes. <laughs> they are boxes. The collector <laughs> boxes.
0: Very cool.
6: Don't get it twisted. I
0: would never. <laughs>
2: All right, here we are. We're going to see how hard this name is.
6: Look. Danny <laughs> Fabricio
2: Sanchez Chavez. That's not hard.
6: It's just I wanted and I guess it wasn't hard to butcher it, but I guess it was just hard to remember it. But I, I should. <laughs> I'm bad. I'm bad. I will next interview I I will do it right. I'll do it
0: justice.
2: <laughs> I'm going to get a, an angry email. You butchered Danny. It's Donna.
0: I. <laughs> <laughs> The or issue three, I think you'll have it down, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Issue or at
6: least issue four, Maybe the train, made the sequel. <laughs> the
0: sequel.
3: <laughs> uh, it looks like you had Brant, uh, he's doing graphic design on it too,
6: yeah. So he's doing the interior, like the, the you know, the um, the credits, and then also we just some colors within the um, letters, so just to finesse it even more.
2: Cool, all right now to the unofficial member of your team, Phil, um, who has his own Kickstarter, but you guys are a a great tandem where you guys kind of uh, work together on projects and then crowdfund your own projects at the same time and then work together on a project. How did that come about? I I know you guys have been longtime friends, but how did you guys strategize this?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I've known Kat for college yeah so yeah
6: so uh seven years seven years been a long time
0: yeah and uh i knew i always knew that she was making her own comics and crowdfunding comics but and even though i was a lifelong comic fan Mm -hmm. and interested in comics we never really talked about comics much for a while um until 2019 ish uh when i said hey like i'm thinking about you know i see that you you know are making like Father like daughter and the dancer and like i'm really interested and you know i have a background in writing so I wrote a script and I sent it to her and she, you know, gave me some tips and, you know, helped me pull together like a tighter script and- You met
6: Honest Cat, she's a cool girl. I met
0: Honest Cat, um, (laughs) also known as Blunt Cat, but (laughs) it was was good, it was a good cat. She was an okay girl. Um, So I, uh, with her, like some advice she gave me, you know, I launched my first Kickstarter and, you know, it overperformed. it exceeded my expectations. And then every, since then, you know, we, we're producing our own books independently. She was doing like Follow Like Daughter and the Dancer. I was doing Haunting. And then, you know, one day as a joke on Halloween of uh, 2020, um, we were doing like a, a backyard style party because uh, we were socially distancing at the time. And we just were joking around saying like, oh, it would be funny. What would happen if uh, like Father Like Daughter and Haunting crossed over? And, you know, mm-hmm. it started out just like a joke here and there. Like this character would do this to this character. And then after a few minutes, it stopped being a joke. And, <laughs> you know, came up with a plot that we really liked so we sat down and we wrote it out together and it it was so
6: quick it was that was like wait we should work together more because i've never written the script this quick it was
0: the easiest script we ever wrote and it was really easy to divide and conquer because she handled her characters i handled mine and then whenever they got together you know we we worked out the beats together and then Mm -hmm. just whoever was more interested in that scene would uh would write the scene out itself and it turns out that Something that even to our current projects turns ranks true. We tend to like to write different, like Thank very God. different things, so we very rarely fight over scenes. And uh, we I ho- like
6: to hurt my characters' feelings a yeah. lot, and you like to like I do like- comedy about a bit more.
0: Yeah, I like to have fun with them, and you like to hurt them. I like to- <laughs> um, but uh, the crossover was so easy, like to produce between the two of us, and we found we worked really well together. That we decided we needed to do a new property, something that you know wasn't just a crossover of our respective mm-hmm. properties, and that's where slice of life came in that uh we were both fans of webtoon so and we're both queer so we wanted to tell a queer story um and slice of life just you know came to life from there and then obviously we're involved in each other's projects you know we strategize all the time planning Mm -hmm. our respective campaigns because we always want to keep our separate properties in addition to our properties together and you know we both are editors on by visibility which is cat's baby but we just had like a six-hour seven hour, seven-hour strategy and it's meeting. still not done oh it's not done after this there's going to be at least some closing discussions before I...
2: <laughs> it was strategized to be seven and a half hours and you realized you were late to this so thank you
6: yeah. <laughs> oh yeah sorry yeah. again yeah, we are that. sorry about that we uh, should probably shouldn't have planned a bi visibility meeting today but we're like we should do bi visibility today um one, we one of the actually rules have phil sibling working on it as well so it's now a, a falco um a falco team.
2: Extravaganza. Yeah. Yeah, Will Will and I tell everybody: come when you can come, leave when you have to leave. It's fine. We're not, we're not that big. so, Phil, we're gonna go on your page. We're gonna look at the haunting. One thing before I get there, I want to say: you do not care if your lead character is likable. How the no. hell did you get that comp- that confidence?
0: Um, I think it was. It really boils down to the story I wanted to tell from the beginning was about an unlikable character. You know, I knew going in that I wanted you to. Almost respect how brazenly unlikable he is and mm-hmm. how little he cares about, you know, other people and just yeah. marvel at at his nonchalance at the insanity going on around him. So um, you know, for anyone who doesn't know, the lead is a bratty teenage boy who wherever he goes, the dead rise. And you know, he's so inundated by by it at this point. He's so used to it that he just you know turns a blind eye to it. He doesn't yeah, care. And,
2: yeah, and your ghosts rise up angry. And physically manifested, and just m- murder people <laughs> next to him, and he doesn't even look over. Oh yeah, he
0: just goes for a stroll.
2: <laughs> I mean, it would the, when I read the first issue, I was just like, "Holy shit, man!" And then by the end of it, I was like, "All right, I'm I'm on this vibe." And then I read issues two, and I'm like, "All right, I'm on this vibe." And then issue three, I was like, "All right, I'm on this train as long as Phil wants to take me." Our question is always how long will the haunting go if you have your
0: druthers.
6: Well, he said he's going to not have a sequel, so
0: um, I don't think I would have a sequel when it ends, but uh, you know but It's going to be
2: 182 issues.
0: So <laughs> yeah. it's different. 183. I have okay. to manual okay. an annual in there, you know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think with haunting as opposed to a lot of our other projects, I try not to I I definitely know exactly what the ending will be, but I'm trying to, you know, let the ride go on as long as it makes sense to, you know, mm-hmm. I have plans right now, very firmly mapped out for eight issues. And then it's just a matter of whether we reach that end point that I know where I'm building to at that point, or if there's more story to tell. So, right. you know, we'll, I, I wouldn't say right now, it's going to be an eight issue series. I wouldn't say it's going to be a 12 issue series. We'll see right. where it goes. As long as people are interested and I'm keep loving the story, I would love to keep telling the story as long as, as long as there's story to tell. And I, I genuinely, I just got some pages for issue five today. So we mm-hmm. were crowdfunding issue four today. And, you know, I'm just so excited about every issue I feel like I'm more excited for. As long as I have that feeling, I'd love to keep telling the story.
2: Who is the art team? The, the Your ghosts, your spectral visions, whatever you call them, are so unique. I mean, they, they're they obviously ghosts when you see them, but they seem new to me.
0: The oh, colors. I oh, feel yeah. Really... I think it's just the dream combination. We have Anna Weischek as the uh, artist. She does the lines and she just has a pun intended, haunting quality to her uh-huh. attracted me to it right away. You know, I think I think she does a great job with both action, and I'm glad that you go right to an action page as we say this. Um, there's, a great- there's, a
2: little, there's a little shit. <laughs> there's a little shit getting <laughs> the
0: shit kicked out of him. Um, but yeah, she does action great, she does emotion great, and most importantly, she does ghosts and zombies great. Mm-hmm. And then when you pair that with our color, Andre Samboni, he... He, I just love the, the luminous effect he puts on the ghosts. that it's just, mm-hmm. they really pop out of the page. They really look like they don't belong in the setting around them, right. but like in a way that just pops out at you right off of the page. And then, you know, major credit, of course, to our letterer, just looking at the the words right there, you know, it has that same quality. He matches everything to a T. It's just, I couldn't ask for a better creative team.
2: I think I think I saw, but been, just in case I was wrong, who's doing the lettering?
0: Uh, that would be Letter Squids.
2: Okay, I thought so. Yeah, when I first heard that name, I thought it was a studio of like twenty people and me too. And I found it, it's he just this like one is. guy who's just absolutely incredible.
0: Just he, he just uh, letter switch, Justin, however he prefers to go by, he just mm. he's not only does he always produce quality work, but he's so fast. We had him do all the logos for Buy Visibility, the first volume, and he he breathes through. The main logo for the series, at nine story logos in like a week,
6: with like no corrections. Like, we're like, oh, that's better than I would have imagined. That's amazing.
0: Wow. I uh, my schedule for this issue, I was a little behind at first, and I gave Justin the pages just to letter about a week before we launched, and he got it to me in like hours. So I could always <laughs> count on him to to come through for me in a pinch. That's awesome.
4: Cool. I mean, he goes by Letter Squid because he has eight arms, right? <laughs> <laughs> to get the things done so quickly. <laughs>
0: So uh, Phil,
3: yeah. um, we have a comment that I think uh, is it comes back to a long running joke for us.
0: Excel is oh yeah <laughs> okay I'm n- I'm never gonna live this one down but I don't want to. Um, okay. Excel, is, <laughs> Excel my, is
3: awesome here. Let's give, give me give me give me there you go. Oh, yeah, you're getting
0: you're getting ten for Excel yeah. I, I, we were literally working in Excel sheets before we got on this okay. call. I have so many Excel sheets open at any given time. I plan my whole life around it. Literally every aspect of my life. You could find an Excel sheet when I'm planning <laughs> my mortgage payments. You can plan Excel sheets for each comic <laughs> project. Sometimes Bath, bathroom trips.
5: Not yet. Oh, Not yet. I wanted to ask you a question. I wanted I'm to sorry? ask you what, what your inspiration was to create your story. Like, um, the...
0: So I definitely, like I said earlier, was really interested in telling a story about just a... I, I feel like the archetypical hero in stories, especially in comics, which are so like uh, heavily, so heavily uh, superhero leaning a lot of the time. It, the story re- revolves around characters who are like paragons, who take on so much responsibility, who carry like the weight of the world on their shoulders, even when they shouldn't in some cases, who might be considered responsible for destruction not caused by them, caused by like their antagonists. So I want to tell a story of someone who very directly causes death and destruction and pain wherever he goes, but instead of rising to the occasion just completely turns his back to it and even like is aloof in the face of it who who just doesn't care and can't give less of a fuck and I thought you know who fits that bill better than a teenage boy um (laughs) and then from there the ghosts like surprisingly ghosts and like the supernatural wasn't a part of the original story that was Mm -hmm. the idea and then it spread from there I was like okay how does this person cause death and destruction Mm -hmm. wherever they go and I really like the supernatural angle to it. I'm a big fan mm-hmm. of horror. I'm a big mm-hmm. fan of ghost stories, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, from there, the rest of the story just filled itself out and the rest of the the cast rounded itself out.
5: So so this is Teenage Boy. You talked about an arc. You know, you're going to ride off into the sunset as, as an asshole or does he, you know... I can't <laughs> tell you that, but uh,
0: <laughs> I, what I will say, and I think you start to see hints of it, you know, in issue oh. two and three, is that, you know, he's... So he is the way he is because this is something he's done dealing with his entire life. You know, he had to harden himself to the world when literally since you were a child, people have been dying around you and people have been telling you it's your fault. At a certain point, you either believe them and just crumble into yourself or you harden and say, it's my fault and I don't care. So yeah. I think part of the, part of the journey of haunting is Bram meeting our other lead faith, who is the, the project image for this, uh, for issue four right now, who, you know, I'd say she's she's very much a foil to him. She's a has faith in everybody, whether they deserve it or not type. And because she puts her faith in him, um, pun intended with her name, of course, like it's (laughs) it creates a relationship he's never had before, you know. And uh, I will say that, you know, that's kind of the crux of the story as we go on, that, that interplay between the two of them. And it does Bram deserve to be redeemed, even if even if he never actually wants to be. Can you be redeemed by somebody else's faith in you alone? And can you change because somebody else has faith in you? I don't know. I guess you'll have to read and say. <laughs>
2: we're we're going we're to find out in um, 109 four to eight <laughs>
0: issues. Four to eight to 109 issues plus an We'll yes. have to read every single one. Oh, yeah. You just <laughs> never know what's
3: going to pop One issue is well,
0: just going to be an Excel spreadsheet. You're Just yes. turn the page. <laughs> the Nine. Nine. Maybe buy I, I, That's the one I want.
6: Yeah, exactly. That's the
0: collector's edition. That's
6: There's only like up. 10 being sold. That's yeah. going to go up in value. Oh, yeah. Give me the new
4: walking deck. Okay. I, I mean, it may be a little bit too much, but an Excel variant cover.
6: Oh, <laughs> you think Microsoft will allow it? <laughs>
0: Microsoft's going to put the bill for it. You oh. know,
2: they, they say to niche down, but to niche down to the people that have seen Explain Yourself that Phil and Cat were on is Really
4: niche
2: it I don't see a
6: problem with that. No, I don't see a problem
0: it at all. <laughs> niche just means uh it's a, it's a family. It
6: means that people buying that cover are gonna want to spend the big bucks because oh, they yeah. feel oh, yeah. like they're part, it'll of, be,
0: part of the experience. It'll be the next stained glass because we love. We have like between us four different stained glass variant covers. And definitely more. Comics, so probably <laughs> more, fast. but. Uh, I think the next series will be Excel. Every time we'll just have this exact
6: cover, and there's no art. You don't have to pay any artists. It's just our budget. We just
0: give Microsoft a couple thousand. Every
2: every, every writer on this chat just kind of like, "Whoa,
5: AI <laughs> yeah, artist." Yes, we, we need we
2: need artists, as Charlie said, to make us look good. Uh, so I guess we're going to continue paying the big bucks. But uh, for for just a second, you think, "Oh," and then you realize, "No, I only." make it because of Ludo and Charlie makes it because of Connor and you know well,
5: Carl made it for Matt. Guys I also have a suggestion for for an, an, an alternative title for this show called the the Looking Good podcast. Yeah yes. seems to be such a themed around here. So <laughs> we
2: we're gonna we're gonna make a subtitle Explain yourself yeah. the looking good podcast. That's right.
3: I like that I
0: like
2: that. Will and I are going to have to get on the treadmill a little more though. Yeah, exactly. I'm going
0: to have to uh, start working out.
6: Me during the show.
0: Oh, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> you just start sweating and panting halfway through. <laughs> yeah. So what's
6: your book
2: about? <laughs> so we are hitting the midnight hour. That's about when we start to kind of curl it in. Oh, at midnight hour where I am. I know some of you guys are just nine, but um, we're going go to go over day. some of the um, projects that are still live. Oh, Phil has the most affordable physical ketchup tier and that's what I appreciate about you.
0: I like hearing that. Thank
2: yeah. you. Yeah. Four <laughs> issues. Uh how much is the ketchup tier for four?
0: It's twenty dollars for the ketchup tier. So it works out yeah. to five dollars an issue. Yeah, and cool. you know, if you if you hate not spending money, we have a more expensive catch up tier. You can go mm-hmm. for it, you can catch up in style with our stained glass variant cover set. Mm-hmm. The the price escapes me at the moment. I think it was somewhere between fifty and sixty. You, but you
2: know what? They you know, if you can afford it, you
0: don't have to ask. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Just uh, just pick the highest tier on the campaign and just pledge get that out.
6: collector's box. Yeah, get those boxes. Get the boxes. Get both.
2: Before we get to it, though, let's um, go back through just a real quick sampler of every project. And please, because this will be a podcast too, make sure that you tell people how to find your campaign. We'll go in the exact opposite order. Phil, let's let's do a 30 second reminder on Haunting.
0: Sure. So haunting teenage boy, wherever he goes, the dead rise, and he doesn't give a shit about it. Um, (laughs) we're four issues in, we've got a very affordable physical catch-up tier and also a digital catch-up tier. Uh, you could find it just, you know, haunting four on, on Kickstarter, or you can find it in my bio on Instagram and Twitter at Phil Falco writes.
2: Nice cat dancer.
6: The Dancer is about a dancer slash assassin. And when she was little, she witnessed her parents being murdered in front of her and never dealt with that trauma until now. It's kind of like if Batman actually dealt with his shit.
2: <laughs> and one thing we learned tonight is Kat was both a dancer and and a uh,
0: martial artist. And she says- so
6: when you get the trivia question about Kat's life, yeah, then, this then is your thumb went. dog millionaire moment. This is your
0: thumb dog millionaire <laughs> moment. Just,
2: just remember, she's not a very good dancer, but she can kick your ass if you bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, let's let's talk about Thoughtscape.
1: Uh, Thoughtscape is an anthology series in the tradition of Two Thousand AD, The Twilight Zone, and Black Mirror, and they can folks can find it at Zoop.gg or ThoughtscapeComics.com, and yeah. Uh, we've got a wide variety of amazing artists for folks to check out if they pick up uh, both issues. Nice.
2: Oh, and also there was the, the full life formed, which I did want to bring up. I read issue one when it came out with scout comics and gave it right to my daughter and we both loved it and are excited to uh, get the story as it comes out through scout comics. But I did notice you have some, Full issues on the Zoop that people could jump on it if they aren't as patient as me. So yes. that's, I do want to recommend Thoughtscape as um, it, it's I, all ages, correct? The first issue uh, seemed I formed, to
1: be. Yeah, Lifeform Yeah. Lifeform. So I'm the, sorry. Uh, no, no problem. I was, yeah, I've got uh, the Lifeform graphic novel two pack that folks could pick up. Um, so that's around 400 pages of Lifeform story and uh, great art by Cassie Anderson there. Um, yeah, it's a. Uh, close to my heart, so um, in whatever form pick, people pick it up, whether they yeah. wait or uh, not, um, yeah. I hope you dig it, and um, folks seem to really like it, everybody who yeah. checks it out, so.
2: If you're patient, tell your local comic shop to order you life Forms, because I, I can promise yes, for it's sure. a good book. Uh, Peter, we made uh, Charlie talk about The Adept, so why don't we let you uh, do one last reminder of what The Adept is.
5: Okay, so The Adept is the story of a broken young woman, Amy, who has these reoccurring dreams that she meets a Shaolin master who trains her at night until one day she goes to an event and meets him for real. And it's thrown on this global stage where she's not even sure she can do Kung Fu and she has to save the day. So we're now returning with, after she kicks everybody's butt and realizes this was for real, now she has to deal with what comes with it. You know, she has to really step into this world of, Being a hero that she's not ready to and that frankly doesn't want it. This is where The Adept 2 begins. So you can find us on Kickstarter as The Adept Number 2.
2: I'm super excited because your cliffhanger in issue one had me salivating. So I'm very happy to finally uh, find out what happens when they begin. Uh, Every project tonight has been fantastic. Thank you guys so much. So now, you guys are sort of done talking, but you can jump in whenever you want, or you can jump off. This is where the show derails completely, because it's Will and I uh, talking about the projects that have been on in the last couple of weeks that are still live. And uh, we have done our usual uh, less than no prep for this part. So <laughs> That's true. But we do bring it up, and we're going to bring yours while you're still alive. So um, I'm going to go in and find the banners. And, oh, Toddler Apocalypse, George, uh, George O'Connor's anthology. Good night, Peter. Thank Good you night, for Peter. joining Good us. Night. Anyway, Thank you. Yeah. Good night. For for you. Yeah. Good Bye. Yeah. Per- perfectly fine. If, if it's late where you are or you're you're done, you can you can take off. Uh, but hang with us if, if you know anything about the books. If, if a spreadsheet is in your future and you need to go yes. see
3: it, you know,
6: uh, we do have a spreadsheet and also uh, Dan siblings it. trapped. My <laughs> sibling. there.
2: Thanks a lot guys. Bye. Bye. Good night guys.
6: Yeah.
2: All right. And then there were four. Yeah. It's like 10 little Indians, but much faster. <laughs> um. So toddler apocalypse, George O'Connor's anthology um, about Basically, apocalypses and how young children would make even the apocalypse more frustrating. (laughs) Uh, It it is a genius idea. Um, If you're not on it, go to Kickstarter, Toddler Apocalypse, there's a hyphen, T-O-D-D-L-E-R hyphen, P-O-C-A-L-I-P-S-E. Art's amazing, and the stories look really fun. One of which, I, I remember the story was, they've got to get on the rocket off of earth before everyone dies and the kid won't put on their shoes. And I was like, I'm sold as if, you, if you have had a child, you are sold on this book. And if you haven't had a child, you need to read this to find out if you want to have child. And there
3: was, was a, a story great of story a, aliens that. invading. And if the kids could just keep quiet under quiet. the bed, they would be yeah. fine.
2: But no. <laughs> And our buddy Travis I, Travis Gibb is doing the Granite Saint Punk uh, issue one. It's actually issue one, but it's a one shot, one and done. It's uh, the 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 what's the name of the mountain? The the man in the mountain? The face in the mountain?
3: mountain. Old the man, man in the mountain.
2: mountain. Oh, Charlie, you know about this because you're from you're from the state. Okay, Charlie, yeah. you take over.
4: It's it's the old old man in the mountain. It's an actual, man in actual the... rock rock formation that looks like a giant old man's face uh, in New Hampshire. Um, and, you know, you know, when you have a state that small, that's what gets you excited that and, 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 and the riches that are in Travis's project. And uh, this is a great book with with killer art. And if you heard Travis talk about this, you can tell how passionate he is about yeah. this story and yeah. how much he believes in it. And I think any time that a creator believes that much in the story, you know, mm-hmm. you owe it to yourself if you love comics to pick it up because you can tell this means something to him and that passion always translates to the page.
2: Yeah. He, he said himself that, and he's never said this. I've talked to him about many of his projects. He's always excited about his project. He doesn't put out books that he isn't excited about, but he said, this is my best comic I've ever made. So it's, it's really exciting to see, see him doing something. He can be that excited about uh, we owe, oh, Blake is, Blake, back to everything. Yes, you did win, and uh, we appreciate it. Uh, and your prize will be
3: coming in the mail in the coming months.
2: There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Travis has been saying it's the best thing he's ever written. So uh, he's he's not just saying it to, to one person. He's saying it to everybody. So we got to trust that. Um, uh, Rob Anderson's, it, this is for younger kids. It's Cat Dad and Super Mom number two. It's a story with morals at the end for little kids. Little kid kind of gets in situations and dreams at night to, to help him learn how to deal with them. The first issue is about bullying and whether or not to stand up for someone who's been bullied and how you can do that when you look like a tattletale if you do. And The second issue is about a, an actor at a comic convention who might not, treat, might not have treated a kid uh, very well. Um, and kind of teaching little kids that there are other people behind comics and TV shows other than the actors. And they might treat you nicer because you know what? We need the attention. An actor doesn't. <laughs> uh, I think we've got one more, right? And Brian Hawkins, just uh, about about 30 hours, The Lunatic, The Lover, and The Poet. This is a slasher horror set at a college uh theater troupe is doing Midnight Summer's Dream. Unfortunately, Will, you want to say it? The Puck Mask Killer. I just like saying Puck Mask. (laughs) The Puck Mask Killer uh, starts to slay various actors and actresses in the play, and everyone's a suspect. Uh, It's a bit of a A whodunit, slasher, scream type of a feel. That's three full issues uh, for the story. This is issues one and two, and you can catch up on it. Brian's just a hell of a great guy. Um, You know, we've got some Scout creators on here. He did did, uh, writes Black Cotton for Scout. He edits for Mad Cave. He's you know just a hell of a dude, hell of a guy. So, um, the Lunatic, the Lover, and the Poet issue two on Kickstarter. So
3: 33 hours remaining. they've got about $500 left to hit the goal.
4: Oh, they got it. They They got got it. it. (laughs) I want to say one more thing about thoughtscape, Mm. which, um, you know, and Matt, this is kudos to you because I see a lot of, you know, I'll call it in the, in the anthology range where the art is so all over the place. And you've got like that one story. That's the one you put on the website to show people. Yeah.
5: And Mm -hmm. the rest
4: is filled with, um, let's just sell what you say ones that you don't want to put on the website to show people. Mm -hmm. And uh, what I loved about the first issue of thoughtscape, in addition to the writing, you know, Mm -hmm. I I guess someone wrote it, but in addition (laughs) to the writing um, the the caliber of the art of that is so good. Uh, It just across the board and that every single story had like feels like it could be its own series because Mm -hmm. you put the thought behind it of finding a really talented you know, artist, who not only understands storytelling but just has a great style and oh, so thanks. i was really yeah. blown away and impressed by the, the caliber of the art you know throughout that um you know it's obvious you do great projects i mean you know across the board but i yeah. i just thought that i really was impressed by that
1: well thanks yeah i mean like a big part of it was coming from like i was just fine seeing so many amazing folks that i also seemed to be able to get in touch with and mm-hmm. uh and um so just the yeah, I mean like my backlog of folks I want to reach out to because they're incredible and I want to I've got a story at least outlined for them is pretty vast. So uh yeah, it's and I guess I keep come running into the thing where like it's so hard to just get comics done that like the thought of getting one done with art that I don't want to share every page of is just mm a little painful <laughs> to yeah. think of, you know? So, um, yeah, but, uh, no, I appreciate it. I think, um, yeah, it's a, it's a killer group. Like I feel totally, um, totally lucky to have connected with everybody that I have. And, um, yeah, I just, uh, I hope. Well,
4: there was and I, I also fun. think, I mean, and bringing it back to the writer, cause I guess, you know, the writer was involved. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think <laughs> that, the, that the fact that all those artists want to work with you, Mm-hmm. You know, says says something about you know the caliber of the writing, the caliber of the project, because those are all really good artists, and yeah. you know who have the choice to work on other things, um, and they're working on Thoughtscape because they want to work with you, um, mm-hmm. and, and I don't know like like Carl, for instance, he's yeah. one of those people who mostly wants to do his own thing right now, so yeah. the fact that he's taking time away from doing his own projects to work mm-hmm. with you speaks volumes. Well, oh, thank you. So, yeah. 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 And Most I'll give
2: you I'll give you another compliment. I, I had the same type of brain buzz after reading this that I get from Ryan K Lindsay. Um, okay. and you just kind of this sort of like, oh, this is on a different plane and I've got a I got to get out of my plane to get to your plane. <laughs> and kind of it, it my it, my temples kind of nice. and if a writer or writer artist team can do that. I I know I'm in good hands and I got that out of Thoughtscape. So
1: cool. That's, that's great. No, I mean, like I, you know, like I grew up reading like Grendel and yeah, you know, all the like Mark Verheiden stuff in the eighties and everything. And like, it's just, uh, yeah. And I go back to Grendel a lot just in terms of like building a world, but a lot of artists, um, and something dense. And like when Mm -hmm. I was, too young 11 or 12 reading grendel and just having mm-hmm. my mind blown about like i don't know the vatican and grendel and all vampire you know like all that <laughs> stuff it's just like mm-hmm. uh yeah i just want like to be able to like kind of hopefully achieve some small fraction of that is uh is totally what i'm going for so that's good to hear plus
4: that was not approved by the comic code authority right oh, No,
1: <laughs> and at
4: 11 at and 12 i know for me when i stumbled across <laughs> the comics that weren't approved (laughs) my parents didn't know i was reading them and i was very happy about it yes Yes. it's so in addition to it being a good book yes yeah
2: when when i when i kind of people ask what i aspire to be as a comic creator what i say is i aspire for tart to mean what grendel and mage meant to me when i was 14 that's my aspiration That's... for the book to mean to someone else what those two things mean to me. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, I, I look back and, and yes, you know, like the, you know, started with Claremont, Alan Moore, Miracle yeah. Man, all, all these things, but the that, that Grendel and Mage, what Matt Wagner did with those two series, just, it just means it's a foundational part of my comic reading. So. Yeah, for
1: sure. I mean, I was like, uh, since we're grendling um the like we were at emerald city 2019 would that have been the last one that i'm yeah Yeah. uh the one before yeah um and uh the one before what
2: must not be named
1: yeah that that much must be spoken (laughs) because if you say it three Um, times it lasts for three more years oh my god (laughs) i feel like it's just never gonna end already um yeah so we were so i was there with cassie for lifeform stuff and cassie was on a panel with matt wagner and i was totally like i was both jealous it was a it was an artist who also write and i, uh-huh. I obviously i didn't belong on really? that panel but um i was a little bit jealous and then like uh and so i walked over to his booth and i had my devil by the deed like kamiko you know trade um or whatever you call it i don't know it was a graphic novel i guess essentially and uh so I was gonna get him to sign that, and he showed me he's just like, "Oh, like you want to see some art from the Grendel Grendel in space, whatever the one is going now and uh, yeah, so I'm at a con with Matt Wagner showing me Grendel art that nobody's seen on his phone. <laughs> it's like, all right, I don't nothing anything else can happen this was this was the pinnacle uh, so yeah." So I, I do, I
2: do want to say uh, Ignacio is glad to hear that we are grindling. Well, one thing <laughs> I want to tell everybody is we are not just grindling. we are breakneck fantasy anthology next week Does that, that doesn't quite work. So <laughs>
1: you guys a little price.
2: Next week, we are going to be talking about an anthology, um, The Breakneck Fantasy, a uh, uh, black and white sword and sorcery comics that I know Ignacio has a part with, part in. And hopefully he, if he can make it, we'd love to actually see and hear you and not just read your wonderful words. Um, <laughs> and also Gerald Von Carr, I believe, will be joining us. So uh, next week, we should be checking that anthology out. But... If you have time to check out the black and white sword and sorcery anthology breakneck on Kickstarter before next week, uh, we'd love you to do that. And then we can pretend that the Kickstarter bump started at uh, (laughs) a week earlier you know what i'm gonna say february 4th because charlie i know you're still it's still 918 yeah Yeah. 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 (laughs) you know
4: i i was like there's something wonderful about being able to meet your heroes in comics in a way that you can't really do that in other you know mediums uh, Mm um because people are just more accessible i feel like the the comic creating community and even the gods uh of comics like Mm -hmm. for me my hero was will eisner like i had gotten a bunch of the old Warren, Warren um, EC spirit um, things from the seventies. And I had like 10 of them. And when I was in college, like that, that was the kind of, that's who I wanted to be. I wanted to be realized mm-hmm. I had my own strip that I was uh, inking. And I thought I'm going to be a writer anchor uh, maybe at Marvel and I interned at Marvel. And then I moved out to California. And a couple of years after that, I went out to San Diego comic-con for my first, you know, first big con. And Will Eisner was there and doing a panel, but this was back when you could get into a panel um, Mm -hmm. at San Diego. And really there were, I think 10 people at this Will Eisner panel, which, you know, which is, which is like, just blew my mind at the time. And then they all left and Will Eisner was packing up his stuff. And I was like, I'm just going to say something to him. And he spent like 20 minutes talking to me afterwards, just about comics and everything. And I'm like, this is the guy the Eisner Awards are named after <laughs> my childhood comic book hero. And we're talking. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, like, and I think, you know, when you talk about wanting to be the Grendel to someone, I want to mm-hmm. be that creator at a convention who talks to someone whose their works. I, mean, so I, I don't even necessarily want, you No, know, I want the work to mean something, mm-hmm. but I want to be that person who's accessible for a fan at a convention mm-hmm. who my work has touched in some way. Because I think you know, this is an industry where we can do that, where we can help other creators. But you know, I, I, I've started to have that experience because you, know, you have that at Kickstarter, but then when you start going out into the direct market, it's a different, different type of fans and you're reaching people in more places in the country. So like on free comic book day, I had someone come up who had all the white ashes I had written in like one of those protective cases. And he was wondering if I would sign one. You know, and I was like, I'll sign anything you have, you know, yeah. like, like I, I, so I, like for me, that's the best part about being a creator is when you can connect with someone and say, I'm so glad you read my story. I'm glad it meant mm-hmm. something to you. And yeah,
1: I'd love to talk to you. you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah.
2: No, I agree. And my, my goal at a convention is for half the people I talk to, to have already read the book and I don't sell them anything as opposed to 90% of the people, hi, give me two seconds, I'm going to show you this awesome book that you might like, uh, which is great and fun, and you meet people, but I so much more enjoy talking about a book someone's already read than pitching the book, mm-hmm. uh, because you, then you're having a conversation and you're not just
4: trying to, you know, push, push, push. Um, but it's I it's had great. A- at Ontario, just the Ontario a couple of weeks ago, back in oh, maybe about a month ago, and, um, this young woman came up to me and I started pitching her White Ash. And she's like, oh, no, I know White Ash. She's like, what, what else do you have? You know, I, I was <laughs> like, like, what have you written that I haven't read yet? And I was like, um, "Like this is the best day ever. <laughs> You're a fan of my work. You want to buy things. I don't have to tell you. Like, she just wanted to see what what in my universe she hadn't read that she could pick up.
3: Um, oh, that's beautiful.
1: That was,
4: that's
3: very cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, yeah so much um, of what we do is is kind of you know it feels like we're pitching all the time, you know, and and to have somebody come up and just want to thank you, you know, is so gratifying. I mean, it's just it's it's the it's the best thing ever, you know. Yeah. Maybe even better than art emails, but you know. <laughs> Uh,
2: something pretty nice to read is Ignatius says what Kevin will and every guest does with explain yourself, help Gerald and him put it together and do the anthology on Kickstarter. Nice. Uh, I, whatever wind we may have been at your back, we are extraordinarily happy to have provided. And we do joke, completely joke about the explain yourself bump. Uh, we take no credit. You did it. (laughs) You yeah. put together teams, you did the work, you, you know, like you made your comic, you're on you're on this you're on Kickstarter because you put the effort in. and so yes, we love it if we helped at all, but we really don't take any credit and we can't wait until next week to hear more about the nuts and yeah. bolts. And uh, more try- importantly. They probably listen to other people besides us. Yes. <laughs> they should. <laughs> and,
4: and, and Matt, I also want to again give you kudos for trying out Zoop. Because mm-hmm. I, I know like that's a little scary to go there. I know it's really hard um, to, to try and be the person who's breaking new ground on that platform. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a guess behind some of your reasons for doing that. And you know, I, I commend you for that. So, oh, so good. I, I, I wish you only the best with that because it's a great project and hopefully again, everyone who's here has backed it.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. That'd be uh, Like like Kevin was saying, like I feel like ultimately we need to have some like modularity and be able to go like, if, if we're really going to survive long-term, we've got to be healthy. I feel like in multiple, I guess, markets for lack of a better term or multiple mm-hmm. sites or platforms, whatever. So uh, yeah. Uh, but thanks. Yeah. It's been uh I mean, definitely uh, a little bit scary and a little bit uh, different experience, but um, just take the take whatever learning I can get and try to make the best of it. So, yeah.
2: and let us let us know um, if that last day and a half to two days is super heavy because it really maybe what Charlie said, where that fear of missing out maybe hasn't hit the people yet, and then they're <laughs> going to realize, yeah. oh, I've got to do this, and you know.
4: It's, I, I think it's also it's, it's hard because you know Kickstarter has, you know, on, on a slow day, it has what 120 projects going. Yeah. on mm-hmm. a busy day, there's 300 comic book projects going and new people coming to the platform all the time. And every time someone new has come, Kickstarter's eternal al- algorithm is pumping up your project though, mm-hmm. if it seems like it might be a fit. And yeah. because Zoop doesn't have that kind of bandwidth yet, you know, it's it's really more dependent on you to bring backers to the platform, mm-hmm. and you know, and and like this, like I said earlier, thing I had been meaning to, I had been retweeting, but I just hadn't right. gotten around right. to like to say, I was because like, I saw I was like went to do it once I was like oh I got to do an account I don't yeah. know how long that's going to take I'll do that later
1: yeah yeah
2: when when a friend of mine or or a, or a book that I think is extraordinarily exciting is on Indiegogo, I have to remember it when i get home to go on my computer to go to indiegogo find the campaign and back it kickstarter you know i i joke about trying to be number one but it's usually because i'm scrolling through twitter laughing at a meme finding and then my phone comes up and says will allred has launched a project and then i get in there to try to be number one just so i can make fun of everybody else because it's so easy Totally. Yeah. We need to. Yeah. And that's, that's something else I noticed about Zoop
3: was, you know, I'm so used to if I back a campaign in Kickstarter, you know, the first thing I do is I tweet about it, right? You know, because they've mm-hmm. got that stuff integrated right there that just makes mm-hmm. it so easy to help, yeah. you know, boost campaigns. And I was like,
1: what Get do do? back to yeah. it. What, what do I? What do I do now? I, there's no button. I
3: don't, I, I, you know I have to go
1: type something? Oh, yeah. can't do that. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean right. I think there's definitely like, there's plenty that can. I do UX actually for my day job too, so I spend all day thinking about websites and um, apps. Uh, and getting them to work right. And that like, I think definitely that rub of like, where they were curating things and running everything themselves up against the self service thing.
5: Yeah.
1: Like there's, um, yeah, there's just some definite stuff that is just comes with evolution and like kickstarters had a long time and and i would say like you know i've been i've been involved in a few different things where i've seen up front how hard it is to build a new community even if people are bought into the concepts Mm -hmm. whether you're talking about politics or comics or bands or any of that so i think that um stuff just takes time and like mm-hmm. like kickstarter's been there for quite a while and there's so there's going to be catch-up ground right and yeah. um, I, so. I think it's
4: like to me it's especially frustrating because you know there was a lot of noise on the internet especially on twitter about mm-hmm. kickstarter's direction and i wish all the people who were outspoken about not liking the direction would go support things on zoop Mm-hmm. right Which you know like because sure. like, yeah perfect. right you know like like they're, they're happy to bash down you know bat to, to dump on kickstarter but they're not happy to go just support the things that would make the other platform more viable <laughs> yes. like, like yes. if you yes. really right. want to do something don't waste all your time tearing down kickstarter go build this other thing up make it a viable alternative so you can actually have what you want like there's totally a solution yeah. there like yep. there's a yep. real actionable path that you can take to have that utopia you want right yes <laughs> So. Yeah, no. It's I, I mean
1: it's the internet in a nutshell, right? Like it's yeah. way it's way easier to fire fire mm-hmm. away than it is to actually get behind your stuff. So
2: I can say for me personally, I would not have any career in comics if it was not for Kickstarter specifically, much less crowdfunding. Sure, um, it has kept us alive and kept us moving forward, and uh, so I don't ever want to to bash that I certainly will never bash a creator who is on Kickstarter because it is the way to stay alive living this dream. Um, if you are worried about the, uh, <laughs> we, we haven't really kind of ever talked about it on this, but you know, if, if, if you know what's going on and are MAD, then you know, and you should be supporting Matt and all of the creators on Zoop and building a safe haven so that people have the choice to uh, make a decision that you might want, but you can't ask people not to uh, continue their career. Um, mm -hmm.
1: And all this stuff, like anytime this comes up, it's like, this is a totally personal decision Mm -hmm. for everybody and like, uh, this is, you know, I've got a viable career in other, uh, in other matters mm-hmm. <laughs> or doing other things. And so I have the flexibility, I guess, to with, with juggling, like continue to at least make comics, if not get them printed mm-hmm. um, without, or, and, you know, make decisions like this. So, but it's totally, mm-hmm. everybody's got to make their own call on this stuff. And like nobody's calculation, is going to be the same, right. you know, it, right. it's, you know, it's, it's a personal thing for sure. And like, there's, you know, I'm not going to stop backing uh, at least yeah. my pals on Kickstarter. And I've yeah. seen a couple things tonight that I want to grab. So mm-hmm. um, yeah. So it's just, uh, yeah, it's, we got to support everybody.
4: <laughs> let, let's, let's just say like, I've been mean, like just taking a big step back, even if you don't support the platform, right? Like even if there, you have some intrinsic issues with Kickstarter, the percentage of revenue of Kickstarter that comes from comics oh, is yeah. infinitesimal. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and the percentage that they get of the product, the money that you're sending to your, your friend yeah. who's on Kickstarter is also so small. Yeah. So mm-hmm. like, like, like your protest dollars, if you're not protesting, like if you're not, not putting in $10,000 into the tech project, Mm-hmm. Right. Like like if like if that's the protest that you're, that you're not doing, but instead you're not putting three dollars or ten dollars into the PDF or, the, you know, I like think right. of that creator who needs those three thousand dollars to make their book. Like, yeah. like so to me, like I think creators who are creating need to make that decision based on what they can need to do to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a decision that in terms of the platform itself, we don't even know what's going to happen. Um, Because, like, going back to UI, um, I mean, you probably have seen Kickstarter for a while and know how slow they are to be able to implement anything on the development side. So, so like, I think, you know, they could do this or they could not do this or they could plan to do this and it could take 10 years based on how quickly the changes have rolled out. So I think, you know, from a creator's perspective, you don't have to make a hard decision right now because it's at least another year, two years before... Any of these things that people are worried about hit the platform right. um, and in the interim please support creators wherever they are if you like their work okay. you know I, I don't care if you're worried about Comicsgate on Indiegogo or whatever if the creator that you know who is not part of that thing is on that platform mm-hmm. give them money because you're not really giving it to the platform you're giving yeah. not, again to be clear I'm not saying support Comicsgate. I'm sure. saying, don't, don't, um, you know. I just want to be very clear with that. Sound. This
2: button. is, this is, yeah, this is, uh, this is a safe space for uh, for people oh. who are on Indiegogo because they choose that as their platform. Uh, yeah. It's not necessarily a safe space for people who attack um, diverse creators who are just trying to tell their stories.
4: Yep. right. But my point is, support good creators wherever they are who are making good mm-hmm. books because yeah. they need that support. And whatever percentage that's going to you know, the corporate overlord, whoever it is, is Mm -hmm. so small. It doesn't make a huge difference to the corporate overlord, but it makes a huge difference to that creator.
2: Mm -hmm. I agree. I'm going to do one thing as we go. Blake's Buzz from the Blake's Buzz podcast. He's been with us many of these Friday nights. Uh, I'm putting it out here, Blake. If you're free next week, why don't you come on and and help us talk about the Breakneck uh, Anthology? Yeah. Yeah. Put it out. It is a it is a public invite. <laughs> you you can come if you you can come if you're free.
4: Matt, you were on Blake's show, right? Yeah, yep. yeah, Okay, yeah. And exactly. if he
2: doesn't Wait. come, it's a
3: public snub now. So you know, yeah, we'll
2: have to just cry. <laughs> we're just going to be
4: crying
2: for the first first forty minutes. Oh, oh, uh, it's, he's in. it's a date. It's a day.
3: Yeah. All right, awesome.
2: all right. That is that is how we're going to go out. We got to. We, we've got we've got two of our uh, commenters coming on next week, and we're gonna have a blast. Charlie, Matt, thank you so much for yeah, hanging with us till course. the uh, I would say the bitter end, but I I thought it was pretty sweet. So the triumphant thanks, end, <laughs> yes, to the high triumphant end, and um, to Cat, Phil, and Peter who were with us earlier. Thank you so much for your time. It was a fabulous show. I don't think we had too much awesome. I think we had the exact amount of awesome. Oh well. <laughs> Sounds good to me, man. <laughs> All right. Fist bump. Everybody have a great night. Thank All you. Right,
1: thanks. See thanks. you later. <laughs>